he sees things and, and hears things and he's always good about coming to me but let me read it to you he says I can see a vast number of people very great all Christians were standing as one then as I look closer to them I can see there's a different color about them signifying different areas that are standing in some focusing on different areas of ministry yet some standing in different denominations as I kept focusing in on this this vast number of people I can see a line starting before the people, a great crack forming from an earthquake. Quite a lot of people were scared, but there were some that were not. Then I can see the crack in the ground moving towards the vast number of people. As the people watched the crack, the crack was forming. Had Oh, here, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm ahead of myself. As the people watched the crack coming at the people, some fell over dead from fear. Yet some who were standing directly over where the crack was forming had to choose what side to leap to or be devoured by the earth. Some jumped to the left, some jumped to the right. The ones on the right looked to be about a quarter of the population of the people who were standing as the apparent church of the living God. Then the colors coming from the left side became dark and dead looking. Then the left side began to fade away until I could not see them anymore. There was the remaining, the remnant. Then they started to rush around, electrifying the atmosphere and blending all colors into a beautiful, colorful, unified church of, church of Christ, his body. God is telling me that there's a great separation coming and is here. Either you are in or you're not. You have to make a choice to stand with him or against him. There's no dormant state anymore. That kind of lines up with the dream Julie had many, many years ago. You were coming over the viaduct. Do you remember that? Vividly. Do you have it? Can you bring it up? Do you have it on your phone or not? Basically, one side of 81 was devastated, was it not? The other, dis- other side was all right. And it, it was like you were beckoning to the one, the one side to come over because there must have been some storm or something come over to this side where you'll be blessed so we're in a time and a season folks like i said we're not playing church we are the church and we need to go about doing good amen you say why are you so intense that's the way we need to be now there's times when we are quiet and we're sensitive then there's times we're intense I'll tell you what, I I want God more than anything. I want his presence in this place more than anything. What do you think these people outside these four walls that are lost, spiritually dead, sick, no hope, they need Christ. He's the only way to the Father. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, Kathy's not here today, so I'm, I'm just going to ask the ushers if you'd quickly wait upon the people, then we're going to go get, get into what I believe God wants us to do this morning. If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hands. We appreciate you being faithful in your tithes and your offerings.
are good, Father. So good. And we love you. Amen. We've been on a, a subject on doctrine. And what I'm going to be getting into this morning, I'm going to do just a short part and then Pastor Brad's going to come and do a, another part. Um, we're going to start talking about the new birth. Everyone say new birth. And, uh, you know, Jesus told his disciples, look at the what fields. Why? Because they're ripe for harvest. And so we're going to, you know, we can only go so far today, but I want you to look in your Bibles to John 3. John 3, and this is the chapter on the new birth. Many of us have been born again for a number of years. Some of us are young baby Christians. We're, you're you're going to find that there are people at different levels like this. I was so blessed this morning as <laughs> we were up here and the kids were down there. And I heard, I think it was Jackson Richard praying in tongues, just praying in the spirit. Amen. That's the way it should be. The new birth, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you and I want to have anything to do with the kingdom of God, what must we be? Born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man... See, he just was looking at it in the natural. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, who said this? Jesus. Must is an imperative. You must, I must be born again. Amen. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So everyone who's born of the Spirit, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Well, that's important. If you're going to witness, listen to that. God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Amen? Now, it's important that we understand the new birth. And most people don't... To really understand the new birth, you have to go back to the beginning. Say, go back to the beginning. you got to go back to Genesis. If you don't have an understanding of, of Genesis, you'll be confused. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read to you a passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 5. And it's in the message translation. And you're going to understand why we need to be born again. It says, you know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. Who got us into trouble? You blame the woman, but who's the one that's in charge? Adam. Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone, but the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Why was there a separation between man and God? Because of Adam's sin, okay? Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, I like that, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin puts crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between the death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift. The verdict on the, that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right, that the one man Jesus Christ provides. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us, got us all into trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. Say he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. 
All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. That's just a little different translation. That's why we need to have revelation and understanding of why Jesus came to earth. We were lost, spiritually dead. God sent his only son to become sin for us. Now, I want to read one thing more, and then I'll have Pastor Brad come. I have, I have so much to give you, and I, I just try to be sensitive because I, I want Pastor Brad to share. But I want to share with you from Dr. Hagen's book. This is a good little book, and we have plenty of these, so you can hand these out. But it's, on, it's called The New Birth. He says this, and this is what I want you to understand. I want you to get how how many Lutherans here today? Methodists. What else we got? Ex-Baptists. Catholics. Any Catholics? Listen to this. The new birth is not confirmation. The new birth is not church membership. The new birth is not water baptism. The taking of sacraments, observing religious duties, an intellectual reception of Christianity, orthodoxy of faith, going to church, saying prayers, reading the Bible, being moral, being cultured or refined, doing good deeds, doing your best, nor any of the many other things some men are trusting in to save them. Nicodemus, who I just read, whom Jesus addressed concerning the new birth, possessed most of the qualities we just listed, but Jesus said to him, you must be born again. The thief on the cross and others Jesus forgave while on earth were saved without these things. They simply did the one necessary thing. Say one thing. One thing. They accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, by repenting and turning to God with their whole heart as a little child. One who's born again will automatically have the external evidences of a good life by virtue of the new birth. But there are millions, it is sad to say, who are trusting in good works to save them. And millions will die and be lost without the new birth because they've been missed concerning Misled concerning the experience of being born again. It is all important that we pay personal attention to our eternal welfare and that we not trust the best of men in the matter. If we permit men to mislead us in eternal matters and are, matters and are lost, it will be too late to personally see after our welfare. Do something about it now. Don't take the attitude that you cannot be deceived. Don't take the attitude that your church is the only right one and that cannot mislead you. Your church may be right in its teaching concerning the new birth, but make certain by going to the Bible yourself and seeing with your own eyes and knowing with your own heart that you're right with God, that you have the real new birth, and that you are living right with God every day. There's no purpose served in fooling yourself. Either you're born again or you're not. 
You're either really saved or being deceived into thinking you are and you are lost. You know your own life and your true relationship to God. So get the fact settled that you're a genuinely saved person and in present contact with God. Culture, refinement, outward correctness of life in the organized church are out of it. Cannot take the place of the new birth. For the trouble you see is in the heart. Say heart. Jesus said, for from within, out of heart, the heart of men produce precede evil thoughts, Adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. The trouble is in the heart, the inward man, the spirit. Merely to reform the outward man or the outward life will not save you. An artist, I love this analogy, an artist could put a beautifully colored coating of wax on the outside of a rotten apple but the apple would still be rotten at heart. One bite into it would be a bite into decay. Out of Christ, every man is rotten in the heart. And mere outward correctness of life apart from Christ is artificial and the practice of hypocrites. Jesus said of those he called hypocrites, for you are indeed likened unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, full of dead man's bones, and of all uncleanness. That says it all in a nutshell. Amen. Now, maybe you're here today and you're born again, but how many people, how many of you today know someone that is not born again? Let me see your hand. Loved one, relative, Children, grandchildren, neighbors. God is, the Father wants us in the days ahead to become more conscious of that. When you go through your day, stop and remind yourself, ask yourself, I wonder if that individual saved. I wonder if that one individual has given his heart or life to Jesus Christ. We've got to become more sensitive to the lost and dying world that's out there. Amen? Now, I'm going to quit there, and uh, we'll pick up next week more teaching. But I, want, I asked Pastor Brad to come because I want him to share about his experience receiving Christ. Is that okay? Amen. Of you have probably heard bits and pieces, and it's not like it's some special story that outweighs anyone else's, but um, just some good points as I've always reflected back and thought about these things. So I grew up in a big town of Randolph, just down the road a little ways here. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we were, you know, we were church folk. You know, we went on holidays maybe a couple times a year. There was a stint there that I think we went for a while, and even mom and dad did their best to try and maybe even work with the youth group for a little bit, but... There was also many a Sundays that uh, Ren and Stimpy marathons would outweigh the importance of going to church. Some of you know who that is. You younger ones probably have no idea who that is. But stupid, stupid cartoon. But there was absolutely no spiritual value to that, that's for sure. But uh, we would spend time watching that maybe because, you know, 
church wasn't exactly real exciting. But if you would have asked me, was I a Christian? Well, yeah. I would have said, yeah. Because, you know, I, of course, I, yeah, I know there's a God. Yeah, I believe there's a God. But that was pretty much the extent of it right there. And then even when I had my accident and um, spent some time in the hospital and, you know, a huge life-changing event, which we won't get into all of that today, I can recall a young lady coming, and I don't know, Mom might, might remember better, whatever got her in the door and how she ever got there, but she was basically asking me if I was a Christian. And I look back on that now. She was trying to preach the gospel. She was trying to find out whether or not if I was going to die then and there, would I go to heaven or not. But her approach didn't, not that she did anything wrong, I didn't get it. It just didn't make sense to me. Well, yeah, I've been a Christian. When did you become a Christian, she asked. And I thought, what are you talking about? I've been a Christian all my life. You know, that's what I grew up as, you know. Not understanding the question and, and, and not getting a clean and clear enough answer out of her. Just as Pastor read, you must be born again. It's not just because I think so or I say so. And then, you know, in life you, you think, you know, just that next milestone, then I'll, then I'll get happiness. You know, you're in, you're in school and you're in high school and you're like, man, if I just graduate, then I'll finally start seeing the good things in life. And then you graduate and you're like, oh, well, we got college here. And so then you're like, man, if I can just get through college or even little milestones like, man, I can't wait till I turn 21, you know, then I can finally buy booze and all that good stuff. And these are the milestones you shoot for. And and as I come down to Norfolk here and started doing college and I was going to college for business management and I get a job at the old pick and save here in town and before I know it, I'm the assistant manager there and I'm going to school to be in management and I'm thinking, okay, I guess that's kind of milestone already reached kind of thing. And and because of the scars, I was, I've always looked older than I was back then. Now I just look old. I am that old. But anyway... I could buy booze, man. At even 18 years old, nobody ever questioned that. You don't, you don't ask the bird guy how old he is. You just sell him booze. The poor guy needs booze, you know. <laughs> and I can remember working at Sun Mart, and this was probably the moment that made me start questioning, what's the point? And I can remember being over there stocking a milk shelf, putting milk on the shelf, thinking, okay, I've graduated high school. I, I can buy booze. If that was an important milestone in my life at that time. I've got the job I'm going to school for. Now what? Is this really it? Am I going to do this for the next 40 years just to retire, just to die? There's got to be something else. There's no milestones left. There's nothing else to achieve. I've, the, as maybe as pathetic as my life goals were at that time, I've I was chipping away at them real fast, and here I am, 20 years old, going, now what? There's a lot of life left. 40-plus years of doing this? Is this really what I want? And, but yet, what's the answer? You know, what else is out there? And I believe that, especially in a day and age that we're in right now, with the chaos that's going on out there and the fear and the panic, my gosh, could you imagine if you're a good old-fashioned Nebraskan and you see what the administrations are doing and our rights are one by one getting stripped away and you can see where this thing is heading and you don't have a single hope, you don't have that answer and all you can see is, uh-oh, on its way real fast, I could imagine there's a lot of people out there going, 
what's next? Now what do we do? Well, eventually, um, my good old grandma Nancy, some of you might remember her before she passed away, she was, she was a Christian, and I believe she did her best. You know, we all went to the Methodist church in Randolph, and she went every week, but it was dead. It was dead. There was no spiritual life in there, and I'm not bad-mouthing any of the ministers or anything like that. You know, as Pastor mentioned in that book, going through confirmation, I did all of that. That changed nothing in my life. It was just something you did because that's what everybody did, right? And so Grandma had been there and done that. You know, she she could have told stories, but um, she come across this church in Coleridge, Nebraska that was a full gospel church as this and full of life and the real deal kind of thing and started going and she asked mom to go mom went and when mom was younger both mom and dad they had given their life to the lord but there was no sustenance after that there was no place to go to grow kind of thing and so they kind of just you fall back into the way of life and um, so they both went and, and reiterated and, and, and rededicated their lives and got back going. And mom had been harping for some time. I can even remember, and I don't know if I still have it, probably do somewhere, that uh, she had wrote me a letter trying to encourage me to come. And I can remember sitting down and reading that to one of my friends as we were all sitting around drinking beer, of course, because that's what we did. And, and saying, you know, that's pretty cool. Maybe just because mom's always been good to me, least I can do is go ahead and maybe give her the time of day. You know what I mean? And, and I'll go ahead and go to this meeting with her. And it was some special guest that evening. And there was a, a guest minister there. Ron Bruce was his name. Some of you may or may not know him. So I went in just out of sheer entertainment to Ma kind of thing. I have no idea what he taught and preached on. I think it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't care. I mean, all I was thinking about, I even brought a friend that night because we were going to go ahead and booze cruise on our way back to Norfolk that night, you know. So it was a road trip. So as he got to the end of that message and he started to preach salvation again, I don't remember what he said, but God showed up. And I knew that I knew that I knew this was it. And it's like it all kind of pops back into place and you're like, this is that thing that I'm missing. This is that milestone that takes it to the end, that gives it all a point, a purpose, a value, a reason to even press in and press on, because why else? And he gave a salvation call and a call to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I was literally trembling in my seat, almost kind of one of those looking at my own hand up there going, ooh, I did raise that. And I went right down front and received salvation, got prayed for in the Holy Spirit, Awesome, life-changing moment. And then you know what I did? I booze cruised back to Norfolk. And here's my point with that. Is when a person becomes born again, their spirit has been brought to life. But that doesn't mean all of a sudden they got it all figured out. That doesn't mean all of a sudden 20 years of my life of behavior and what and everything that I knew in the flesh just suddenly disappeared it quickly faded away but and i I can remember finding later reading scripture because then i was hungry i started to get into the word and i started to and it changed my life day by day you renew your mind daily by the word your your flesh is changed when you renew your mind to the word of god it's not going to change if you get born again and never pick up the word 
and you never go to church, and you never do anything with that. Yeah, you were born again. You had that moment, and, and your salvation may be good and grand, but life will never change. There's never that fulfillment. And so I say that because soon, and I hope you're pinpointing people in your own lives that you can share the gospel with, just remember, they're not going to get it all figured out overnight. We're going to have people pouring into these doors in the days ahead that are going to come in here and have moments with God and get born again and then go right on out and sin and do whatever that may be, whether that's stand in a parking lot and have a smoking circle kind of thing or whatever it might be. Don't shrug your shoulders at that. Don't turn your nose up to that. Give them an opportunity to change. And as my life went on, I got hungry for the word and I got into the word and that church eventually kind of fell apart. And that's how we ended up here. And I got hungry and, and dived into the word and, and life began to change. Those old habits just faded away. They just started disappearing. It wasn't of interest anymore. Friends started disappearing. Those that I called friends, I can remember <laughs> telling them, no, I don't think I'm going to go party tonight because it was just it was a nightly thing that we did that's just what we did you know and I remember telling them no I don't I don't think I'm going to do that tonight and oh did I get it holy roller stuff and oh you just wait and see you know you ain't going to change you just wait and see and and the crap they gave me and I thought well you were a great friend you know and just stabbed me in the back now that you get your first chance but it was it was amazing because I didn't lose friends I just had a shift in friends and I gained all kinds of new friends that were encouraging, exhorting, that put up with my weird behaviors and my foul mouth and bad habits and everything else that I had because they could see something there. And I, I might just read this here out of First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, I must have moved it. In verse 17, and this is a scripture we all know. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, as things are of, are of God, who has reconciled to himself, reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And we'll come back to that. I want to jump up even above there in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we no longer know him. Uh, we no longer know him thus, no longer. So what he was talking about is they knew Christ in the flesh. They knew him as a human being. But now, now that he was the firstborn of the dead, first one raised from the dead, we don't know him like that anymore of the flesh. We know him of the spirit, by the spirit. And he's a spirit being, yada, yada, yada. My point is, is when a person becomes born again, we need to learn to look past the flesh. We need to overlook. We don't know them by the flesh no more. We know them by the spirit. We need to look at these people that are not born again and go, those are a spirit being. Those people are on their way to hell if they don't get to know Christ. I don't care. There's some ugly people out there, and don't get me wrong, there's some that have chosen wholeheartedly a path of wickedness and I don't know that they'll ever come out of that but who are we to say who are we the one to judge them and say well they've chosen their path screw them they can just go to go to hell 
we need to be open and willing to look past that. We need to be open and willing to not look at them according to the flesh, but by the spirit and recognize that they have a spirit being that just doesn't know any better. I didn't know any better. I didn't know that I was in the wrong. I mean, yeah, you still always have that check deep down inside, but you really don't know right from wrong. And you just never know what God is doing to someone's heart. You know, they might be treating you like absolute crap on the outside, but when they lay their head down at night, you don't know what's going on. And if you participate in that treating like crap part, you're not exactly being a witness. You're not exactly giving giving opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work on their hearts kind of thing. And, of course, I could go on and tell many, many more stories about me and things that I've done and even a slipping away time frame. But God's goodness and mercy and grace has always trumped, always trumped. And it will. And so we need to have that open heart, that open mind, and that willingness to reach out to people. And with that, I guess I'm going to go ahead and go down this route because I think I know most of you here today, and I know where you stand. But I also do know that we can have issues in our lives that just never seem to go away, that we can just never seem to overcome, that we can never break away. And, they, and the enemy will use them to hold you down and to hold you in the spot. You can't be out there witnessing the people. Look at this crap you got going on in your own life. You don't dare go out and do that and say that and do that because, geez, what if they find out? You know, here you are, this horrible person, and you think you're all church-like and yada, yada, yada. So I want to give an opportunity today to kind of set the record straight. Two, 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 two ways. If you're here today for one, and as pastor was teaching, you must be born again. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian. I don't care if you've gone to church all your life. I don't care if you've got a praying mama that's always been taking care of you. Those, those work for a while, but that's not going to get you through the pearly gates, as one might say. You have to be born again. And if you're not born again, there is a way you're going, and it's not to heaven. And that's because, just like he read, Adam screwed this thing up in the beginning. It wasn't because God is sending you to hell. It's our choice that sends us to hell. It's the sin that's already in our lives, whether we like it or not. It's there. We need to deal with it. And so if you're here today, I want to present that opportunity that you can be born again right here, right now. You can have that moment like I did at that church that one night, not even knowing what I was getting into, but I knew that that was the next step. I knew that that was the change that I needed. I knew that that was the answer to take this thing called life that seemed to have no point and give it purpose because you do have a purpose. You do have a call on your life. I don't care how old, how young you are. God has called you. God has given you a purpose. And that's, that's to work with him and to serve him and to be as in, in his kingdom and to spend eternity with him in heaven. So if you're here today and that's you, I'm going to do this a little bit different. I want you to come see me afterwards. Just come talk to me because I will lead you in a short, easy, simple prayer. I don't want to bring you up front and embarrass you here today because you know what else happens a lot of times? We get into a church like this and we sit here and think, oh my God, all these good church people in here, they got it all figured out. 
look at my life. I'm just a mess. I got all this crap going on. And these people, if they only knew how bad I was, they'd kick me out of here. No. No. Trust me. Especially not this guy. Because I don't have any reason to do that. Because I'll have to go with you. Because I've been there, done that. And I've got plenty of things going on myself. But I want you to come talk to me afterwards. And I will lead you in a short prayer just as the Bible talks about, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. And God is that good. And that's how we become born again. That's how we hit the reset button on life. That's how all the things we've done in the past disappear and we get to start over with God. And it's so much better. But if you're also here today... And you're like me many, 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 many times in my life where you just start slipping a little bit. And you start getting caught up in things, the affairs of the world, whether that is sin or whether it's just a lack of care and concern or it's a dryness or it's a complacency. Now is not the time. But now is the time to light that fire like Pastor said, we're not, we're not doing church no more. We're not getting, re- getting together on Sundays to have church no more. We are the church. This nation desperately needs the church. I don't care what kind of heresy, what kind of falseness, what kind of new laws, ideas, theologies, garbage they pump out. It don't matter. God is the king and he is on the throne and he is not done with this nation. But it goes on through us. He uses us. He uses us to carry this out. And so it is high time for us to lay aside those things, whether that's the sins of life or the affairs of life, the lust of the flesh or the pride of the eyes, whatever it may be, Be done with it. Cast it to the side and get rid of it. And get on his bandwagon because we're going and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a riot. And I hate to see anybody miss out. So why don't we all just pray this prayer together, a prayer of consecration, setting ourselves apart for that. And if you are here today and you're you're one of those that I'm talking to you about being born again, come see me. Trust me, nobody in here in this room is going to be looking at you judgmentally because we've all been there. We've all done that. So repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, which supersedes all of the things that we've done wrong in our lives. Lord, we desire to set ourselves apart to be vessels of honor, useful for you, the Master. Holy Spirit, come and work on our hearts. Change our hearts into the direction that you'd have us to go. Help us set aside and cast off the things of this earth and to set our affections 
wholeheartedly on you that we might be used of you in the ministry of reconciliation. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So again, I encourage you, if you're here today, today is the day of salvation. If you have not given your life to Jesus, it is time. Don't miss out because it is one crazy world out there. And you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never know what this afternoon is going to bring. But with God, eh, half of it's who cares because we know. We know. We know. Amen. Pastor. I like what he shared. Um, that's not how we treat children. That's just one of Brad's. Uh, the fact that we don't, people don't need to clean up before they get here. Don't ever forget that. And give them time. And I've said this before, and you know I'm going to say it again. If you don't have friends that are sinners, shame on you. Who did Jesus attract? Who did Jesus want to hang with? Sinners. Then one more thing. The first Monday of every month is a teaching service. So coming here in May, the first Monday night, I'm going to begin to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. Now, I really believe before you experience salvation, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, healing, whatever it is that you have need of, you need to be taught from the Word. You need the Scriptures. Amen? And so I want to give you a foundation of truth and of the Scriptures from the Bible why we're to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? And you, you and I are going, if we're going to be effective, effective witnesses for Jesus, we need the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to speak in other tongues. Amen? I'm just glad that went over big. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Is there anyone here today that you're sick in your body and you need prayer? You're all healthy? Amen. Thank you, sir. God bless you. This is how we're going to end today. I, this is the other declaration. We're going to do this Sunday after Sunday. You might have interruptions in the service, and that'll be up there, because I want to get it in you. Amen. Let's say this together. How God anointed the people of Harvest Church with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. So go about doing good. Look at your neighbor and say, be good. Do good. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night for prayer. Thank you. <laughs>